All right, we're on. <laughs> hey, we are taking it to the next level in 2019, baby. Um, so it's nice to see everybody on the last time that we will see each other in this uh, atmosphere this year. Next time we see each other, it's going to be another year. And having said that, I'm going to be sharing uh, a little bit of a kind of a different type of message today. It's going to be very visionary. Just going to be sharing uh, five particular points of vision that we're feeling for the year 2019. And really, it's not just uh, specific to 2019. It's not even necessarily things that are new if you've been hanging around this church for any length of time. But there's power, I find, in actually articulating and saying things of where it is that we're going. And so I'm asking that as you hear these things, uh, to go beyond just hearing Paul, this human being, in front of you speaking. And I'm asking you to see beyond that and hear the voice of Jesus as to what he has spoken to his people, to his church, and what he's called us to do. Uh, what we're describing in these five visionary points is, in, a set, in essence, the ministry of Christ, as it was 2,000 years ago, just speaking directly and specifically into the year 2019 and in the city of Detroit. So we're going to say these five uh, visionary points, and then we're going to look at uh, the beginnings of what is going to be kind of like a series uh, on seizing what God has promised, or seizing our purpose. And it's a theme that you see throughout the scriptures, and we're going to look at starting with John the Baptist and his ministry at the beginning of the, life, of the ministry of Jesus, where Jesus went from being a carpenter, but was he called only to be a carpenter? There was a promise, there was a destiny, a purpose that God certainly had called Jesus to, and you see the beginnings of that seizing right at the time of John the Baptist and Jesus getting baptized. We're going to look at, begin to look at some principles of that and how that's going to apply to us this year. Are you ready? So firstly, five uh, points that I believe that God is wanting us to, that we need to trust God for and to see uh, happening in the year 2019. The first is that every disciple of Jesus in Border City Church is being discipled. In other words, they're receiving, not just by sitting in a burgundy chair on a Sunday morning, but has somebody in this local church context that's speaking into our lives and is active in making disciples. Making disciples is the thing that Jesus left his church with. Matthew 28, right before he ascends into heaven, those are the parting words that he gave to us. Go. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I command you to do, and behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. That is what he commissioned us with. So, number one, every person who is a part of, who sees themselves as a disciple of Jesus, that they're active in receiving discipleship from somewhere, and also active in making disciples. One thing that I just want to point out there is, I don't believe that it is a safe place to be, in the, to be in the ministry of making disciples if no one is speaking into your own life. There's an, there is a hypocrisy in that. 
to say that those other people need what it is, but I don't need discipleship. And secondarily, it creates a safe place. I don't want to be receiving input from somebody who's not receiving input from somebody. Who's like a spiritual lone ranger and not accountable anywhere. So we, this is what we're called to do. And just as an example, earlier this year, I asked permission to be able to say this, so I, I, this is legal. Uh, earlier this year, my good friend Mickey McCart uh, came to me and, and said, you know, I want to spend more regular time. I feel like I want to just be able to talk through the things that I'm walking through and to develop more in what God's called me to do. And he just asked if we could begin spending more time. And so, so we began, and throughout the course of the year, we've been as much as possible regularly meeting uh, at a certain frequency and talking. And he's so, so Mickey um, is one or two years older than me. <laughs> and so one could think, well, how are you speaking into Mickey's life? I mean, he's had so many more experiences and blah, blah, blah. It's, that's what, what Mickey is receiving is something of, He's wanting to come into his purpose and his calling and more leadership in this time of his life, which is something that makes sense for the two of us. So I'm speaking into that formation. So just to give you an idea of what discipleship looks like, I'm not his Lord, right? I'm not his spiritual father. I'm a friend of his. I may be a pastor and like a leader in in some sense, but we're we're talking and there's kind of something that he's pulling out of me and, and that he's growing in. And so in that context, uh, we begin to meet with another person whose name I won't mention because I actually didn't talk to them. We begin to meet with another person in the context of kind of discipleship, you know, just wanting to help this person along, Mickey and I, along in their journey to grow, to grow spiritually. And so we met and kind of, I kind of took the, took the leadership, if you would, of, of that conversation. And we were discussing some things, and then we met again, and I said, Mickey, this time, why don't you uh, kind of lead? I'll just sit here, and, and I'll, you know, if I've got something to say, I'll say it, and, and I'll just talk to you afterwards and give you any feedback that I have. Making sense? Yeah. So he's receiving something in our relationship, but it's not just about him receiving. Right. In it is, okay, Mickey, you're, you go do what we're doing. And so, and then and now Mickey's meeting with this person one-on-one and kind of helping them in their journey and walking a, walking a journey. It's relationship, it's, uh, but it's giving what you have. It's exactly what I just said Jesus said. Go, therefore, make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. All I have to give to Mickey is what he has commanded me. Right. Not Mickey, Jesus. And so whatever I have received from Jesus and whatever I'm actually walking in, not theory, practice, that becomes something I have to give away. And I can help him. And then in, in so doing, Mickey now needs to be charged to go do the same. You do too. Yeah. So I would encourage everybody in here, make sure that there's somebody that you're getting together with who is aware of your journey, speaking into your life, and make sure that person is commissioning you to go do the same. Okay, number two. So the first is every disciple of Jesus at Border City Church, active in receiving and making life-giving discipleship. Number two, develop our spheres of influence. And what I specifically mean by that is we have had the amazing privilege of having uh, spheres of influence open to us where we are wanting to be a, an influence of the kingdom of God and Jesus into places in the city of Detroit where we feel God has opened up doors. Specifically, what I'm talking about is Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries, 
and um, Durfee Elementary Middle School. Now, in case you don't know, at the beginning of this year, 2018, as a leadership team, we began to discern we have got to have doors opened up to us to actually connect with the people of Detroit. And we felt specifically uh, that we need to open up, have open up doors where there's need. There's a lot of need in Detroit, right? And, uh, and, and so we felt like we need to connect with people of Detroit and have doors open. And we began to ask God, and how many of you know when you begin to ask God something according to his will, he's all happy to hear the prayer? We literally asked God on a Sunday afternoon, very be- our first leaders meeting of 2018, that week uh, we, I had a phone call with uh, Chris Townsend of Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries where I began to tell him what I would like to do there and what some men from the church would like to do there. And he said, this is amazing. We've got churches who come in the chapel all the time and at nighttime and do these chapel services, but I've been asking God, and I haven't told anybody about this, that there would be somebody who would come in and be more of like a mentor and relationally connect with people. And he said, uh, this, it's like you are hearing my prayer. And uh, so we met, and it just seemed we both knew this was a God thing, and we've been doing this, and now we've got people like Andrew, David, who's not here, who are fruit of some of this. We want to develop that. We also want to develop what we're doing at Durfee Elementary School. That door also opened up that same week. I read in the, the paper the next morning after praying as a leadership team, and I read this thing about how Detroit public school systems are, in, are creating a faith-based council and inviting faith-based organizations, i.e. churches, to come and help mentor and tutor kids. I thought, when is the public school asking churches to come in and mentor and tutor kids? There's no way that we, there was a fear in me, do you know what I'm saying, like to go through that door? I don't even know why, but I'm just saying, like, usually when there's something that God opens up, there's usually a fear. I was like, what, what are they going to think? How is this going to work? Are they, you know, but we knew we can't say no to this, and we had to plow through all the difficulty and the red tape to actually get to a person in the public school system, but we did, and there has been such a glorious connection with the, the principal uh, uh, Mrs. Webb Harris, who came here with her husband. Uh, Mind has made a great connection with them. We've been every month supplying hygiene packets. Many of you have generously donated every month to help make that happen. That's giving us such a favorable relationship. We've been tutoring every week second graders at this stage, uh, which is building rapport with some of the administration, get, putting our faces there and, and helping this, uh, these kids. But we believe that there's more. There's more to plow in and say, God, how can we be more of a kingdom influence into that atmosphere to bring what is of your kingdom into that school and to its people and the, and the community that it represents, the families that it represents. There's more. And so we're going um, we're, we're to plow into that. We're going to trust God for, for God to develop that. With DRMM, Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries, let me specifically say what I believe is on the horizon. One, we want to see be better and more effective this year with actually developing discipleship relationships with men while they're there. What I mean by that is that we aren't just meeting as a group, but that men that go with us from here, when the group, are connecting relationally, personally, with men in the, who are still living in the center so that uh, we are helping them in their journey with Jesus and we're also commissioning them while still living in the center, you go find people to disciple. What's the fruit there? That when we're gone, 
People from this church aren't physically there. There are people there who are living on mission and being lights while we're, while we're gone. And what we want to see is that light get brighter and brighter and stronger and stronger. Who knows? We might find other rescue mission ministries to connect with and partner with as, as things develop. But we want to do this well. And secondarily, I want to work my way out of a job there. Now, is that because I'm too good to be in Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries or I'm not really interested in it? Not at all. I love it. I love going in there. I love the, every time we have fun, even if it's crazy. <laughs> and it is crazy sometimes. I mean, that just comes along with homeless situations. It's, there's craziness going around. I love it. I love the people. You sense God's love for these men. They're receptive. I love it. But uh, what we want to see happen is, uh, I'll say it this way, we need all of us to build away from ourselves. That's what Jesus did. He brought people close to him so that he could release them to go do and multiplied himself 12 times. You know what I'm saying? So, we, so it's actually best for there to be other people to championing that cause ultimately inside of DRMM so that we can move to our third point, which is we want to break into new spheres of influence this year. So the first is making disciples, receiving and making life-giving discipleship. The second is we want to develop the spheres of influence where we're already working into. The third, working our way out of a job, if you will, we want to also trust God. I know this may seem daunting to some of you, and it should. What God's called us to should be beyond what's comfortable, uh, is to break into new spheres of influence. I believe this year... Just like we felt so strongly last year, the beginning of the year, we need to ask God for open doors into Detroit, needy, if, I, if you will, more of some of the poor in Detroit and that kind of thing. We need to, uh, I believe that God, and even has prophetically been confirmed when Chanel came, that there are areas of influence in this city that God wants us to open up doors and to walk through doors to become influences in, in other realms of of Detroit society, specifically, I believe, the realm of education, which we already are walking into. Just to give you a, a, a look at that, when we did this whole thing with going into the De Detroit Public School Faith-Based Council, when Minda plowed through to connect with somebody, that person, before Minda had an appointment with them, she researched our church and started listening to messages online to where when Minda sat down with her, this person was is obviously a Christian. In fact, she was here. Well, what's her name again? Yolanda. Yolanda Eddins. He, she no longer works at DPS today, but she's the one who opened up the door. She uh, felt so strongly about us and what, what this church is doing. She opened up not only for us to serve at Durfee, but to actually serve the two of us on the uh, council that heads the faith-based initiative. So we're meeting regularly with like all these like big church leaders and all this stuff and the superintendent of the public school system there and his, uh, what do you call her, the, the vice superintendent, they're, they're big hitters. So God's already open, that's tangible, a door of, of influence in the realm of education. I believe um, business is another key, key realm, real estate, I'm involved in real estate, I'm very conscious of that representing a door into a certain sector, an important sector of this society. Um, I believe I'll throw auto industry in there. Why not? It's Detroit. 
I don't know how. I don't even know if any of you are connected to the auto industry. God knows how. So auto industry, I'm just throwing that in there. I don't know that by revelation from the Holy Spirit, but real estate government, which, which is working even in the education system right now, is connected to government. Um, and uh, arts, media, music. Detroit has, it's a part of the fabric of this society, and I believe that God wants to infiltrate the arts of, of our community with the atmosphere of his kingdom and the, and the influence of his kingdom. So what does that look like? It's what I just said. It's influencing people who are in those spheres with the, with the kingdom of heaven. In fact, if I could pick on my friend Kyle over there real quick, or not picking on him, but, but uh, if you don't mind uh, me staying this, it's a great example. Real estate. So that's an office that I go to, right? You know, I've got an office, and, we, in that, in, and when I have closings and when I have appointments and things like that, I'm up there, and I'm usually connecting with people in the office, and there's this one lady who sits at the front desk. Her name's Mo. And Mo is like one of the, she's like the typical front desk person. Like you, she's such a like wonderful, like everyone loves Mo. And so I leave my closing and I go over just to do my typical chat with Mo. And there's this man standing next to her. And she's like, Mo's like, well, Paul is a pastor. Paul, you need to meet Kyle. Kyle was just talking to me about how he used to be in a prayer thing back when he was in college. And he's wanting to get back in church. And so I turn and I meet this man, Kyle, over here. And Kyle, I don't know what happened exactly on, on his side, but he decided that Sunday he's going to come to this church that this man that he just met in real estate, he's going to come, and, and we basically have been with Kyle ever since. He, he's, never, he's never stopped coming. So what is this idea of, like, infiltrating spheres of influence? It's not like we're, we're not, like, taking over people, right? We're serving. We're, it's, it's Jesus who hung on a cross and died for people, wanting to love and serve people, but call them to himself. And so we're wanting to not just go to work, we're on, we're, we go to work on mission. We live in our neighborhood on mission. We, we, we live in the mission of Jesus. And that's not just for the special chosen, that's for everybody. Fourthly, we want to see demonstrations of legitimate power of the Holy Spirit that would testify of the glory of Jesus. Demonstrations of the legitimate power of the Holy Spirit that would testify of the glory of Jesus. I believe that there is nothing that will get the attention of people who don't believe like miracles. And there's a part of it that's just purely to serve people, that the sick would be healed, that the blind would see, that the lame would walk, that the deaf would hear, that the poor would have the gospel preached to them. There's a pure serving of people, but there's also a second edge to that sword of legitimate miracles are like the greatest marketing to the fame of Jesus to cause people to actually see how awesome he is like nothing else. And it was a hallmark of the ministry of Jesus and a hallmark of the ministry of the early church. I don't know why we think that somehow today that's, it's no longer important or it's optional. We must see it. We have to see it. And so I want to say that uh, uh, Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs would follow them that believe. 
He didn't say these signs would follow those who are called into full-time ministry. These signs are those who graduate from Bible college. These signs are those who have apostle, bishop, pastor, elder next to their name. These signs would follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will speak in other tongues, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I'm saying is all of us, if that's intimidating, that's okay. Let me just assure you, the Jesus who you have met and who loves you, he lives in you and he wants to move through you. And so it's just a matter of participating with his Holy Spirit and learning to be obedient. And learning to, so this is a journey that your pastor is on with you. I want to grow in this. And in 2019, we want to see some of this. And I've been studying some of it and even seeing some principles that Jesus is talking to me about, which I want to get into in this moment, but I'm not going to. I'm going I'm to discipline myself. But uh, even, I'll just say this. Even Jesus started with prof, just a simple prophetic encouragement to somebody. That's before he got into turning water into wine and all this other kind of stuff. The first thing that he did was he spoke to Simon and said, you're going to be called Cephas. He spoke something of destiny. And so the prophetic, which we can start as a more or less easier starting point, we can start with that, learning to just prophetically encourage. And you watch out where that goes. Could be some water turning into wine in the days to come. Could be some demons being cast out. Could be some some limbs growing and et cetera, et cetera. And then fifthly, and by the way, we're about to enter into a month of prayer and fasting, which I'm about to talk about. And when it comes to the supernatural and the move of the Holy Spirit, prayer and fasting is an important part of making the way open for that. Secondarily, just want to point these out, we also are going to be doing teaching and training in the supernatural starting probably in February. And then thirdly, the guy, Anton and his wife, Ange Cater, who lead the church that Minda and I used to lead in Johannesburg, whose ministry is marked by the miraculous, is going to be joining us for a special time of training in May to help stir some of this. April, that's right, April, to help stir some of this up in our midst. So um, we've got some stuff that's going to be, you get ready, 2019. And then fifthly is, and finally, new followers of Jesus. New as in people who today in this moment are not following Jesus. In 2019, we want to see new people making decisions to follow Jesus, who are encountering Jesus and saying, yes, I follow you, you are my Lord. Followers of Jesus who are also become in the business of making followers of other followers of Jesus. Did that make sense? New followers of Jesus who, who enter into the business of making other followers of Jesus. And I want to say those first four points that we said, if we give ourselves to those, that fifth point is naturally going to happen. And what are those four points again? That every disciple of Jesus in this church would be receiving discipleship and making disciples. Secondarily, that we work, we develop our current spheres of influence. Thirdly, that we break into new spheres of influence. Now, I'm going to be praying that same prayer that we did at the beginning of this year, now for these new spheres. And I have so much faith that God is going to sovereignly open up new doors. And then fourthly is, is seeing real legitimate demonstrations of his power, the power of the Holy Spirit that would testify of his glory. And all of that is going to result in new followers of Jesus who are going to be making 
other new followers of Jesus. 2019. This is what we want to see. So like I said, we're going to be uh, doing a month in the month of January of prayer and fasting. Uh, when Chanel was here, I, Chanel Rousseau, who came, and some, many of you received prophetic ministry from Chanel, when she came here, one of the things that was very clear in discussions and even what she shared on Sunday and what she shared later with the leaders was um, the importance of prayer. And so we've just been feeling a stirring of the importance of corporate prayer. So January is going to be a time where we're just going to, we're not doing community groups. We're going to be focusing on praying and we're going to mix that prayer with fasting. Yeah. It's going to be on Wednesday starting, I believe it's the 9th. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but the second Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. And we're going to spend the, the month um, praying and fasting. I also meet uh, on a monthly basis, if, if at all possible, with a group of uh, pastors here in Midtown. And uh, some discussion came up about, you know, we should do this and that. And I said, you know what, guys? I think if we, uh, before we get into the discussion on issues facing Detroit and all that kind of stuff, I think that we first should get the churches of this area together and let's pray for this area. Let's trust God for this area. And, and come together in prayer, and so there seems to be real uh, agreement around that, and uh, it could be as early as the end of January, if not definitely the end of February, where uh, there's a church called Mosaic, you may know, it's right around the corner, uh, wonderful guy, Mick Veach leads the church, uh, he's saying, I'm the only one who actually owns our own building here, out of the churches represented, let's meet here, and uh, you know, open, open to to use it. So we're going to be doing that at some point in the near future, which I think is very significant to what God wants to do in the city. Yeah. Actually getting the people together to connect it first in prayer as well as relationship. And these are great guys, by the way. Oftentimes, I'm getting way off the, su the subject, but oftentimes when you get together with pastors and these kind of things, it, there's so much fakeness and like religiosity and praise God, amen, how many people are in your church and, and all this kind of stuff. Every single one of them, vulnerable, we're praying for each other, we're talking about stuff that we're dealing with in life, it's sweet, it's actually amazing. So uh, there's something cool happening there. Lessons in taking, seizing what God has promised. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, and, uh, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 3. This is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus went from knowing he was called as the Son of God to represent God on the earth, and, and many of you know, at the age of 12, Jesus knew this. Remember how Jesus got lost? Some of you know the story. His parents and his family went to Jerusalem. They were at the uh, Passover feast. They start heading back to Nazareth, and wait a minute, where's Jesus? And he's 12 years old, and, and they're like, okay, let's go back to Jerusalem. And they find him in the temple, and he's talking to the scribes and to the priests and uh, asking these amazing questions. And, uh, and, G and they, they were like, Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus said, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Which says that Jesus knew that God, not Joseph, God was his father. Ultimately, he was the son of God. That's dangerous information for a 12-year-old to know. <laughs> he's the son of God and... As such, he is called to take on his father's business, the demonstration of the kingdom of God on earth. And so he knew he was called to be the son of God. It was 18 years later that he actually entered into the ministry that he was called to do. 
Some of you are wondering, God, when? How long? <laughs> 18 years. He went back and served as a carpenter of some no-name dude called Joseph. And at the age of 30, his cousin John the Baptist begins to uh, do this thing of preparing the way of the coming of the Messiah, calling people to repent, to clear the way for people to be prepared for Messiah to come, that Messiah obviously being Jesus, and he came and he had to himself enter into a, what everybody else was entering into, a season of consecration and repentance. Now, how many of you know Jesus didn't have a whole lot to repent about? <laughs> but even he submitted himself to this thing by being baptized a sign outwardly of being utterly consecrated. And when he arose, the Holy Spirit came upon him and, and took him into a season of prayer and fasting where he dealt with his own, with temptation so that temptation had no place within him so that he would, after 40 days, go back into society being able to deal with that same devil, not within him, but within other people. You follow? This is a picture for us to learn from of how to enter into and step out of preparation season and into inheritance. And I believe in this season, God is calling us to no longer be dreaming about our vision for 2019 or dreaming of these things, to actually put to another degree to claim it and say, this is who I am. And live like you believe it. Yeah. There had to be something in Jesus, a switch that flipped, mm -hmm. where he actually took upon himself, this is who I am called to be. Totally dependent on God in that. So let's look at a few lessons. If you'll look with me, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Take note of that. It was that call that was the essence and hallmark of John's purpose was to call people to repent, but not just to repent because they're bad and they're sorry and you need to make yourself right so that God can love you. That's not the idea of repentance at all. Repent as in turn from that which is not believing God. Clear everything in you that does not yield to God so that the kingdom of heaven, which is now at hand, it's within grasp, that you can grab a hold of the kingdom because it's about to come. Does that make sense? Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is within arm's reach, my friends. Repent, not so that God will love you, so you can grab it, so you can have it. Because as long as I'm holding on to this thing that opposes that kingdom, I won't be able to grab onto the kingdom. But if I'll turn from this thing, I'll be able to grab it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So again, take note of that. Now John himself was clothed, was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. And then Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around Jordan went, to see, went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins. This is a picture of what we're about to go into in the month of January. So it's not just going to be, we're, we're going to go baptize ourselves in the Detroit River. No. <laughs> in January. If you're really consecrated to the Lord. Number one, 
Just some things that we can pull out of that passage that we just read. Number one, repentance is the way that the Lord travels upon. It's the highway. So I I mentioned last week, and uh, vulnerably just being honest about pornography addiction in my life when I I first received Jesus, a totally overwhelming fear of getting in front of people and speaking, and uh, a substance abuse, a substance addiction, if you will. Um, All of these things were things that were obstructions to me going where God had called me to do. If I had not yielded or repented from those things, I would not be standing here today. Would God love me? Yeah. Still love me. But the point is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The purpose, the calling of God, heaven on earth in your life is at hand. Repent, not just think through everything that's bad in your life, yield to the dealings of God as he's bringing them to you, those things that are in between you and walking in what he's called to do. This, my friends, is a season for this church to begin clearing the way so that Jesus can do those things that we talked about, those five visionary points, so that he can do those things through us. We're not going to go out there for Jesus and show him how hardworking we are for him. Jesus wants to do what he used to do 2,000 years ago through you and me today. It's a matter of yielding, not doing. And so repentance is the way that the Lord travels upon. Repentance only works when you're pursuing more. If, if, if you're not, it's repentance, when I'm seeing that God is calling me into more, I begin to see what stands in between me and that place. Does that make sense? If I'm content to remain as things are, I'm staying put, this is just what I are, there's no repentance needed. Why? Because you're, oper- you're already in that place, and your present strongholds and the things that are obstructions in your life are already working where you are now. It's they become an obstacle in between here and that place. And it's when you decide I'm going to go where God's calling me to do that these obstructions begin to become obvious. There are people who need to be liberated from sexual addiction in this room. There are people in this room that need to be liberated from fear, from fears that bind you. There are people in this room that need to be delivered from, uh, who knows, monetary, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, Monetary troubles, no. no, no. Well, poverty, let's say that, poverty, and materialism, etc., etc., and in, in, the, in the days gone by, those things weren't much of a problem. It's when you begin to pursue the more, they begin to become obvious. This is a season, my friends, of allowing God to simply put the axe to the root. Where we, where we say, God, I'm yours. And for, in order to grab a hold of that, I'm releasing this. It's not some groveling in self-pity and you're pathetic and God, can you somehow forgive me? And uh, It's none of that. It's literally, repentance actually means to change your mind. Yes. To not believe this anymore in order so that I can believe this. Uh, my mind used to not believe that God would be with me if I stood in front of people and began to talk. My mind believed that I was going to fail, I was going to shake quivery voice I was going to get nervous and run off the stage you know what I'm saying my mind was convinced of that I had to let go of that fear and that lie in order to one day stand in front of people and do what I'm called to do 
I hope that's making sense. Number two, Jordan, because remember, it's very significant that John the Baptist did his ministry at Jordan, the River Jordan. That was a significant biblical picture. Jordan represents a place of no turning back. It's a definitive decision. It's a place of definitive decision to seize what God has called you to do. So many of you know this story. Israelites taken out of Egypt. They wander in the desert for 40 years with Moses, right? But it was at the Jordan River, the same exact place, where Joshua rose up as the next generation leader and they crossed over for the first time with the definitive decision, even if the people in this land are giants, that's what they believe was the case, we're going to go in because we are convinced God's called us to it and he is with us and he's going to cause us to possess this land. And somehow you and I think today that we're going to walk into our calling and it's just going to be like we float in and we love Jesus and it's, we just float in and it's wonderful. Let me tell you something. There were giants today in the place of your and my calling. They're giants that occupy that territory. Giants of demonic strongholds, of disbelief, and things that occupy what God wants to occupy. And you and I are going to face giants this year. Not on, uh, alone in the power of the Spirit. But that power of the Spirit will never, ever manifest on us until our feet, the soles of our feet, touch that ground. You stay on this side of Jordan, you're never going to see it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to dream about it. You're going to know God's called us to this wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. You'll never see it until the feet touch the Jordan and you begin to cross it. Thank you, Kurt. The Israelites crossed over. Elisha, the spiritual son of Elijah, whose desire was to have a double portion of Elijah's anointing, when he saw Elijah go up, and Elijah was like taken up into heaven, and Elijah left his mantle, and it fell down to the ground, the mantle signifying the power that was on Elijah's life, Elisha, who was, had been following him in order to be able to operate in the prophetic gifting that Elijah had, he picked up that mantle at the Jordan, and he struck it and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And that, that water parted, just like it did for the Israelites just like it did for, uh, just like the Red Sea as well. And, and it, was a, it was a definitive decision of I'm no longer in the position of following and preparing, I'm taking. This is my God now. That's what the Jordan speaks of. Even in the upper room, many of you know the church was birthed after the ascension of Jesus. There were the disciples didn't just go out and preach the gospel. They actually spent time in a season of prayer in the upper room, contending in a place of prayer for an extensive period of time. And it was in that place that the Holy Spirit came upon them and manifested supernaturally and it spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem. The gospel was preached and this thing hasn't stopped since. It begins in prayer. And if you go through church history, major moments where the kingdom of heaven breaks into a community through the church, where it's like people can't live in that community without coming face-to-face -face with something of the reality of Jesus, which is what we want to see in Detroit. That is always preceded by the church contending in a place of prayer, of consecrating themselves. 
And that's what we're entering into right now. You with me? So this thing of Jordan, I just want to point this out, that this is a mindset of determination, and a mindset of determination is required for entering into and seizing what God's called you to do. In Joshua, who literally was the one who led the Israelites across the Jordan and to take the promised land, as he was crossing over that Jordan, seven times in the life of Joshua, these words were spoken to him. Be strong and very courageous. The first three times, Moses said it to Joshua. The second three times, God spoke directly to Joshua. And the last time was Joshua now speaking to the Israelites, saying the same thing. Be strong. Would you agree with me? Being strong and very courageous is an important part of actually walking in your promised land. Yes. Being strong, if you look at the original Hebrew language there, strong would mean to be stronger, as in... To, be a, to dominate, actually. And the idea is, is that when you go into this promised land, you're going to need to settle in your heart now because I, God, am with you, you are stronger than whatever it is that you're about to face. Yes. Settle it in your heart now. Because yes. what you're about to face is going to be bigger than you. But very importantly, please hear this, courageous. That word really means determined to be steadfastly minded. In other words, that thing of crossing the Jordan, no turning back. Once we cross, we're over there, we've committed. We are determined to take this place. And I'm saying, if, we, if you want to walk in these five points that we just talked about in 2019, it's going to be knowing that we're stronger because of who's in us, and it's going to be a steadfast-minded, a, a determination. We aren't hoping we're going to take this thing. We are determined we are. That is incredibly important. There's a book that I'm reading right now about investing in real estate, which actually is one of my convictions of what I must do uh, in, in moving into my future. So I can't hope to invest in real estate. I'm, I'm crossing a bridge of saying, I am doing this. Do I know how? Not really. I mean, I know a lot, but there are a lot of things that I'm going to need God to, to come through on. Listen to this quote from this book that I've read. Do you mind if I quote a completely secular book in, in church? The principle is exactly the same. Uh, the book of Rental Property Investing by Brandon Turner says, this mindset begins by flipping a switch in your head so that you say to yourself, I am doing this rather than I want to do this. You tell yourself, I will do this rather than I can do this. Your mind says, I won't give up rather than I hope I won't give up. And the question is, have you flipped the switch in your mind? Have you made the commitment to yourself that you will become, in this case, a rental property investor, come hell or high water? And I'm saying to us, if we want to see being discipled, making disciples, if we want to see these things developing with DRMM and Durfee, if we want to see new spheres of influence being broken open, if we want to see new followers of Jesus who are making followers of Jesus, it happens when we determine that's what we're going to see happen. That is what we're doing. That is who we are. That is what God has called us to do. You do that, and there is a power unleashed. Jesus' ministry emerges through a baptism of consecration. So in other words, the ministry of Jesus actually emerged, and that's important. It didn't happen until he went under those waters. And I'm saying in the month of January, we're going to go underwater, so to speak, 
as we fast, as we pray, we're going to allow God to actually bring us to a deeper level of consecration, of commitment, of repenting, if there's any place of repentance. Lord, we want to make the way for you to come to Detroit through us. And and his ministry emerges from that place, uh, going from, in the case of Jesus, he went from being God in the flesh, right? But he was still Jesus, the carpenter's son. He went from that to being the Christ, the anointed one. Do you follow what I'm saying? Some of you have probably never had that thought. Jesus was the son of God, but once he went under the the, the waters, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was now the anointed one, the Christ, the one who is doing the ministry of his father. And that's what we're going to go through ourselves, consecrate ourselves so that exact same thing happens on another level in in you and in me. Consecration creates the space for the Holy Spirit to operate in us. You want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Less of you. <laughs> There's only so much. We, we want more of God, less of you. So again, I mean, repentance is not like trying to get God to love you. It's making space for him to come and manifest greater. He already has come. I know, Rodney. I know you're thinking that. He already has come. <laughs> but we're wanting to see him released. Look with me real quick to Luke chapter 3, picking up uh, this exact same story, but now... Uh, kind of a next phase, just a couple quick points we're going to make um, from Luke. Luke chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 15, uh, it says, Now as the people, this is again speaking of the ministry of John the Baptist, now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. I just want to point this out, that the, the fruit of this atmosphere of consecration this atmosphere of preparation for the way of the Lord and repenting and consecrating, going and being baptized, if you will, the, the being in that atmosphere, the ultimate fruit of it is this sense of collective expectation. There's this sense in the atmosphere, I don't know what it is, but God is about to do something. They, they were aware that Messiah was coming. They didn't know who it was, what he looked like. John, are you it? I don't know, but there is something about to go down that we are a part of. And I'm wanting to say in this month of January, that is what we're going to be seeing as we consecrate ourselves in prayer and fasting and prepare the way. There's going to be this sense of expectation. If you move on with me, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Baptism of repentance and consecration, they precede the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Simply making way for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. If you go with me over to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, uh, because Jesus, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he'd just been baptized, been filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. How many of you know sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you into a season where you're tempted? I know God God doesn't tempt you. You are aware of that. It's the devil. But seasons of temptation are to settle in your heart as you battle and war over temptation. You solidify your positioning in God. That you are concretely, steadfastly fixed on following God 
you're able to go from that place, just like he did, back into society with the devil having no place in you. And so when I went through sexual temptation, being delivered from an addiction to pornography, I emerged from that place, actually, having seen something of the victory of God in that, I emerged from that place with the devil having no place in me to where now I can speak to other people about that, and there's, there's authority. You understand what I'm, I'm saying? And, you, and, and we enter into a time where the, Holy, where the Holy Spirit allows us to deal with temptation. I've even been, in this past season of my life, in a season of temptation around certain things that I believe are related to major things that hold a lot of people in this particular city in bondage. I feel like I came under the thing and had to deal with it head-on over the past several months and, uh, and, and I'm now emerging from that thing saying, this thing has no place in me. Yeah. I'm ready to take some stuff on. Yeah, come on. So Jesus fasted to conquer the work of the devil within, not that the devil had any place in him. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Jesus like, had stuff like I had that he had to get rid of. It was the temptation trying to get its way into Jesus. But you and I... I hate to break it to you, but some of us already have stuff operating within us. Yes. Do you, you follow what I'm saying? And the, and the Lord, and we're go, we go through a season where we're going to turn from that place and put the axe to the root yes. and allow Jesus and his kingdom to conquer and to, to stand in that place so that we have authority to speak on his, his behalf in the community. He uh, fasted to conquer the work of the devil within before conquering the, the work in others. And if you'll remember, Chanel, when she came, saw the picture of the sword for us and was saying that it's, an important, it's important that we understand that we're in a battle. I'm getting off a little bit, but let me just say, praying for us yesterday as a church, I felt like I saw a picture of a soldier wearing the old Roman, you know, like the breastplate and the helmet and the sword, that whole old-style Roman... Uh, armor and uh, just praying about it and I felt like there's something of this season that we're that just like Chanel said we need to understand we are in a war if you're in a war and you don't know you're in a war you've already lost the war and this war is not defensive it's offensive we're going into Detroit with a determined purpose of making disciples and seeing the kingdom of heaven infiltrate people's lives is that okay to say? That's what we're, 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 that, that is what we're doing. We're in a battle, my friends. It is, a spirit, it is a real battle. And as we were worshiping just a few moments ago, I had such a distinct sense. I was reminded of Joshua right after they crossed that Jordan River. The first thing that they did, they set up some memorial stones to, to remember forever how God split this Jordan River for them to cross over to the other side. And the first thing they did after that, before going over to Jericho and beginning to conquer cities, the first thing that they did, men, be prepared for this, is all the uncircumcised men who had never been circumcised in the wilderness uh, had got circumcised. And that circumcision was, was a, a sign of consecration to God and to his purpose. They had to go to that season of reckoning within themselves 
there is a sign of our covenant with God marked on our body that we belong to him as we go into this place. We are no longer our own. We are his. And, what, and, I, and, and, and right after that happened, Joshua had an encounter. It says that he saw a man, and the man had his sword, sword drawn. And he said, I come to you as the captain of the, of the armies of the Lord. And uh, God manifested to Joshua not like his father, spiritual father Moses, who saw God in the form of a burning bush. And Moses' life and ministry was marked by the miraculous, by the plagues coming upon Pharaoh and by the Red Sea splitting. Joshua's life and ministry was marked by war. It was by conquering land that God had taken. And I believe in this season, God is going to be manifesting to us as a church as the captain of the armies of the Lord. He's still Jesus the Savior. He's still the shepherd. He's still wonderful and sweet. But he is also violent, dangerous, and determined to take what he has purchased yeah, right. without compromise. Yeah. Right. Come on. And that is the Jesus that I believe that we're going to be encountering in the way that he's going to be revealing himself to us in this season. And it says this, and we'll wrap it up here. Verse 14 Then Jesus returned, having gone through all of that stuff that we just described. Hear this. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus went under those waters as a carpenter, having a calling, but not actually living in that calling. And he came out of that, having received the Holy Spirit, having gone through some temptation, consecration, went back into society in the power of the Spirit. And I believe right now, you and I, there's an element still to all of our lives of we're Paul of Seward Street. And I'm a realtor, and I'm doing work, and I'm making money, and I'm doing the... As opposed to Paul, the anointed one of God, called to infiltrate society with, with the presence of, in the life of Jesus. There's Tamora, who is a hairdresser. And she's fun, and she's funny, and she's got green hair today. She had orange hair last time I saw her. It was green. Was it green? Okay. Sorry, Tamora. I'm supposed to know those amongst you. But anyways, there's natural identity is what I'm getting around. There's her natural identity, and then there's her divine identity because of God in her. And, and Tamora, should things happen the way they need to go, will be entering into a greater dimension of her divine identity, walking God, living through her to accomplish his purposes. Now, I know some of you, this is like, what are you talking about? This is, I'm not, this is not even where I am right now. I'm just trying to, like, survive right now. <laughs> that, that may be the way some of you feel. It doesn't take away the fact that God is with you, and it's all about ultimately yielding to him. And, and what you see in 2019 may be not what Mickey sees in 2019. That's cool. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, you're not, maybe not in a, the same place or, or what have you. But the point is, there is a promised land. And in the case of Israel, when they seized that promised land, there were 14-year-olds, there were 2-year-olds, there were 38-year-olds, there were people who saw Moses do wonderful things, and there were people who were just born a few months ago, all of them had their place in the promised land. All of them took the land, and they did it together. And it wasn't about my calling. 
In fact, that was, I don't want to get off the subject, but that was an important part of that whole moment was all 12 tribes had to work together. Two of them already had their land when they crossed the Jordan. But God still set it up that the men from those two tribes couldn't settle down in their land until all 12 tribes had their land. And we have our calling, not my calling, my destiny. It's his calling, and he gives it to us as a church. So can we, uh, just I, what I would like to encourage you to do right, just right now is uh, simply to, to take these things and the things that God, you feel that uh, God stirs in your heart, just as we've been talking, just to respond with a yes in your heart. You can take one thing out of everything that was just discussed. What have we discussed? We've talked about being discipled and making disciples. We've talked about going and, and developing the doors of the spheres of influence that we have, going into new spheres of influence. What if God wants to call you to be one of those who break into that new sphere of influence? Who is God calling you to be discipled by or to disciple? Demonstrations of power and glory. Why don't, we, why don't you ask right here, right now, God, I don't know how he would ever use me in, in the miraculous, but if you want it, I'm, I'm game. Use me, Lord. Teach me how to do that. Why not? And how about seeing new followers of Jesus? So I just encourage you to, to respond in your own heart to the things that you feel God uh, highlighting to you.